Well, good morning, everyone. Or shall I say, yes, still morning. Good morning, everyone. Why don't you just bring those conversations to a close and uh, pick them up again after the service because it's so good to get to know people around us and get to welcome people. It's so wonderful to see you here today. Welcome from me. My name's Tom, and uh, I'm one of the elders here at Hope. And yesterday, we had a really special day here in this building. Uh, we had an event called Scent, which is for young adults uh, right across our family of churches, which is called Relational Mission. And uh, we had uh, well over 200 people here yesterday uh, celebrating, praising God together, and being uh, just really, really well equipped by some amazing uh, teaching from the Bible. We had seminars going on on different subjects as well. And we had pizza, and we had a great time. It was amazing. Uh, God moved amongst us. Just give us a little wave and a whoop if you were at Scent yesterday. Yeah, loads of you. Wonderful. And uh, we had a fantastic time. And uh, the highlight for me, really, and there were so many, but the highlight for me was hearing um, from uh, Valter uh, Vertigal, who we're going to hear from in just a moment, and Simona, who um, also gave a seminar and was uh, ministering in uh, the main session with Valter. That was the highlight for me. It really was just hearing uh, these guys' story and uh, the message that Valter brought to us. And so I'm so excited about what uh, he will bring to us this morning. Uh, why don't we just uh, even just pray under our breath as he comes up to, to speak in just a moment. God, soften my heart. Let me uh, be uh, soft to what you want to say today. Because uh, I do really believe that for all of us, there's something really, uh, really wonderful that God wants to do uh, in our hearts. I invited uh, Valter and Simona to come and uh, share at Saint yesterday and again today because let alone what Valter will bring from the Bible, which I know will be inspiring. Their story is so inspiring. And I know that for each one of us, we'll be challenged and we'll be thinking, yeah, I'm encouraged by this. So let's, without further ado, let's invite Valter up to come and preach. Come on, Valter. Thank you. Right. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you. And uh, we had loads of fun yesterday already, so I'm looking forward to some more today. If you were here yesterday, I I'm really sorry, you're going to have to listen to uh, a few bits that are similar, and uh, hopefully you'll really get it at the end. So before I dive in, I just felt that um, God laid a couple of things on my, on my heart, just to pray for people, uh, if that's okay. I'm just going to take a few minutes to do that before I plunge in, and then I'll tell you a bit more about who I am. Uh, I just felt God putting a couple of words of knowledge on my heart, and when God does that, uh, he, he, he brings revelation so he can then bring healing and freedom to people. And uh, I felt him uh, describing a couple of different things to me, and uh, I just want to uh, ask you to open your heart to receive it. Now, if you identify with some of the things that I'm about to mention, I would love to pray for you uh, in a minute, so I'm just going to let it sink in, and then I'm going to ask you uh, at the end, if you're brave, just to stand up so I can pray for you where we are, and then we'll see what God does. Is that okay? Um, uh, first of all, I felt that there is somebody here in the room, and uh, uh, you're struggling a bit at the moment. And the phrase that came to mind is, uh, I'm getting off the bus. You've you kind of been saying, I'm getting off the bus. I don't know what that means, whether that is in a, in a work relationship, or, uh, or, or whether that's church or other things, but uh, you've kind, of, you kind of had it. You're kind of angry, a bit resentful. And God wants to say that he knows what you're going through, and he wants to give you patience to help you in the situation. Next to that, um, I felt uh, God wants to bring some healing to a few people. I think there's somebody here, um, you, 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 you have got something with your toes. The top of your toe, it's very sore, 
and it's painful, uh, maybe even infected, and God wants to bring some healing to that. Um, I think there's somebody else here. You've got uh, pain in your knees, uh, on, the, on the side of your knees. Um, maybe you play sports or um, uh, just when you're walking, uh, but you can even feel it now whilst you're sitting here. Um, I felt somebody else, uh, you lost the feeling in, in the top of your fingers. Uh, thumb, index finger, maybe even uh, middle finger, um, and uh, God wants to bring some healing to that today. Um, somebody else here, um, you've, got, you've got headaches. It's like somebody's put nails in your, in your head, um, and, and you can just feel it. Uh, it's like tight tension. Uh, and then finally, I feel that there's someone here, and, and you are partially deaf. You've kind of lost uh, a bit of your hearing. Um, if any of those words resonate to you, can I just ask you to stand? I just want to pray for some healing. Brilliant. I know it's a brave thing to do, but I can encourage you when you make yourself known to God, He's going to do some beautiful things. So don't miss out. Brilliant. If you're near these people, um, can I ask you to just stretch out your hand? Uh, if any of the things that I've just said to you resonates with you, you want healing or breakthrough, can you put your hand on the body part that you want to receive uh, healing for um, or picture the thing that you want breakthrough for? And then we're just going to take a moment. Just, just wriggle for a moment um, to find out what's hurting because uh, I want to uh, compare that in a minute after we've prayed to see what God's doing. So here we go. Jesus, I pray for your healing. You love your people and you gave yourself for us on the cross because you love us. And your wounds have brought us healing, forgiveness and healing. And we pray, Lord, one day we know we're going to be completely healed, but you promised that some of that's going to break through already. And I pray for that now, right now. I pray for headaches to be lifted, for pains to be gone, for ears to be unblocked at this moment in time. For depression to be lifted, for breakthrough in situations, and healing to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I just ask you, if you're standing, can you just wriggle your body part that's been hurting, or just test out whatever we just prayed for for a minute? Brilliant. If you feel that God's been doing something, can you just wave at me? Great. If you feel some improvement, great. Who feels total improvement? few people great let's let's pray once more let's stretch out your hands there is something about persisting in prayer so again we'll go again jesus we pray will you come with your healing power you promised us healing healing of the heart and healing of the body and we pray now jesus will you come unblock ears lift headaches pain to be released in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, again, have a little test. See if you can work out if there's any improvement. Great. If you feel some improvement, can you wave at me? Great. Brilliant. Brilliant. Can I encourage you, before you leave, just to come to the front and come and share your story, what's happened uh, with some of the leaders here, because we want to capture some of those stories and for breakthrough. Why don't we give God a big clap? He's amazing, and he loves you. Right, well, I'm going to start off telling a little bit um, of our story, as Tom asked, and then uh, uh, we're going to dive in and have some fun. So uh, my name is Walter. Uh, I, I've been married to Simona uh, for 
uh, a very long time now. I'm getting old, uh, but it's a real privilege. We've had uh, four little girls joining us. As you can see on the picture, this is my family, uh, and it's a real privilege to do life together. Uh, we've originally grown up in the Netherlands. We've lived in the UK for 15 years now. Now, originally, uh, we were part of a church plant in the Netherlands, and we were very excited. We were the young people that had a go at everything, but we didn't know much. And we thought, we need to learn. We need to do some training. And uh, we found a place in Norwich, King's Church in Norwich. Some of you have actually been there. Um, and um, uh, 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 we did a year uh, of an internship. We were supposed to go for one year. That is the famous last word. Uh, we're still here. Uh, 15 years later, but um, uh, God started to speak to us. He said, well, I've got lots of things for you to learn. Uh, it's not time for you to go back to your nation, but there will come a day that I will call you back, and I will make it very clear. He said, there will be a Macedonian call that will come from across the waters, but until then, I'm going to grow you in authority, and you need to do the things that I put in front of you. Um, uh, Keith Hazel gave me a word. He says, you must wait for the starting signal. And he said, don't run before the gun, Otherwise, you're going to get shot. And uh, he said, it's like you heard bang twice before, but you've got to wait for the third time. And uh, we've been faithfully doing that, what God had put in front of us. We were the eternal interns at King's for four years. We did every training we could. We served wherever we could. We learned loads. Uh, and then God opened up a door for us to go to Peterborough. Uh, so we joined the team at Life Church in Peterborough. Adam uh, Bradley was leading the team there. And uh, we started serving there. Uh, I served under Adam for six years. Again, learned everything we could. And then uh, Adam felt called to move on to Great Yarmouth. And uh, um, God um, uh, put me uh, forward to go and lead the team. So I've been doing that for the last five years. It's been an incredible privilege to lead the team at Life Church. Uh, and when we were just about getting settled, thinking, well, this will probably be it for the next 10 years, God called us. Uh, it was very unexpected. We had just bought a house. Uh, we just moved in, and then all of a sudden, a number of things started to happen. Um, Simone had a dream, and in that dream, I stood up to announce that we were going to move to the Netherlands in one to three years' time. Now, we were trying to work out whether that was the pizza from last night speaking or God, um, and uh, uh, we said, okay, God, if you're in this, you're going to have to confirm this. Well, the scene that she dreamt was like a church camp. Uh, a few months later, we were at church camp in the Netherlands. That scene happened. Mine is the announcement, can I say. Um, and uh, we felt, wow, I, th I think God's in this. Uh, we were driving away from that time, and then one of our daughters uh, sitting in the back of the car said, um, I just felt God saying, next time we'll move, we'll move back to the Netherlands. Now she hates moving, and we just moved house. This was not out of self-interest. So we were kind of perking up our ears thinking, okay, maybe, maybe God, God is onto something. Uh, we were then in a conversation with uh, one of the church leaders in the Netherlands. Um, he, he doesn't really speak English, but halfway through the conversation in Dutch, he turned to us and said in English, come over and help us. And those were the exact words that we heard like 10 years before that. And um, we start to wonder, I, I think God's getting us ready to go, but it's going to be a big call. So from there on, we started to pray. God, will you reveal this? And there were many words that God uh, confirmed this with. And then we start to think, where should we go? Now, the Netherlands is not a big place, but if you try to find a place to land, it's, it's quite a big place. Um, so we try to figure out where does God want to have us? So first of all, we gathered some prophetic people from Relational Mission. Uh, Morris Nightingale helped us. And uh, we started praying, God, where would you want us? And uh, first, a, a, a province came out, Gelderland. 
Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say Gelderland? Brilliant. Some of you have just qualified yourself to move to the Netherlands. Um, and then after that, we started praying. And it was, it, was, it was painstakingly slow. God started to give us like a little puzzle piece at a time for six months. Um, now, in and of itself, these words didn't seem dramatic. It wasn't like God said, there's where you need to go. But altogether, they formed a picture. First, we got um, uh, an old city. Somebody said, you're going to move to an old city. Uh, then they, uh, we received a picture of uh, a city wall. Uh, then a picture of a city logo with birds. Uh, then we had um, um, uh, some of the guys here uh, that were part of your Heart for the Nations group praying for us. And they had a word for us uh, uh, about people coming together to walk in all sorts of different uh, directions and uh, that there was a walking event in the Netherlands that was important to us uh, and uh, that God would use. And um, uh, it was amazing. Uh, we then started to look around and we found this place in Gelderland called Nijmegen. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say Nijmegen? <laughs> you did not expect you want to get a speed course net, uh, Dutch uh, when you came to church this morning, did you? But uh, you're doing very well. Keep going. Um, and um, uh, we found out that it's the oldest city of the Netherlands. It has a city wall. It has a city logo with two birds. It's the proud host of uh, the four-day hiking event, the, uh, the Vierdaagse, the Nijmeegse Vierdaagse, where people come together to walk uh, across four days. Um, and uh, to top it all up, um, we, we had a word about uh, two routes. Uh, a Tentec route, which kind of uh, runs from one of the Tentec routes, is, it's like a route uh, connecting European cities together uh, from Rotterdam to Nijmegen into Germany. And then there was another route uh, going from the north to the south from Groningen uh, all the way down uh, to Maastricht. And guess where the two cross over? Nijmegen. You got it. It was like God put a little X on, uh, on, on, on the map. Says that's where you need to go. So that's what we've been planning since this coming summer. We're going to be moving out to Nijmegen. We've got a small core team, and uh, uh, we've got a couple in the States, Alka and Beverly. They're going to come and join us. Uh, we've got a couple in Colchester, Ben and Mika. Uh, they're going to come and join us. And we've got several other couples that are looking in and wanting to join us. And uh, we're going to make a splash. It's our vision to reach the Netherlands for Jesus. The Netherlands is a beautiful country. It, uh, they've sent missionaries all over the world. Uh, it's hard to go to places and not find Dutch people somewhere. I know it's a tiny country, but we're everywhere. Everywhere. Um, and uh, it's uh, 17 million inhabitants. And uh, uh, sadly, the church is in great decline. Half of the church buildings are empty in the Netherlands. Uh, only one in 20 people go to a church that believes that the Bible is the word of God. That means 19 out of 20 people that you meet in the street do not know Jesus as their savior. And um, there is a great work mapped out for us. Now, I know you're excited about Ipswich, uh, but you're part of something bigger. Uh, you're part of a uh, relational mission. And our mission is to plant 100 churches in the UK and to plant 20 churches in each of the 50 nations of Europe. And the Netherlands is one of those. Uh, it's our dream to not go and plant one church. We want to plant 20 churches with the other churches in the Netherlands. And Nijmegen is one of those churches. We want Nijmegen to be a beautiful church where people can encounter Jesus for themselves.
And whilst we were in Nijmegen last summer, God just did something miraculous that I want to talk to you about this morning. Uh, we were visiting there with the couples that wanted to join us. We uh, rented this big house. We thought if we can survive hanging out two weeks together in one house, then we'll probably be okay being a team together. We had great fun, and we thought, we want to get to know the city. So we did a little brainstorm. How can we get to know the city the quickest? So Alka came up with a great idea. He said, I think we need to go and visit the hairdressers because they have all the inside information, don't they? They talk to all the people. So we went to visit the hairdressers. Alka went to Mr. Beard, and I went to the Four Brothers. It was the most expensive haircut I've ever had, um, but it was worth it. I sat down, and my hairdresser was called Max. I said, Max, tell me about Nijmegen. And uh, he started telling me about Nijmegen, and uh, uh, he said, what brings you to Nijmegen? So I told him a bit of our story. And I said, do you have anything with uh, faith, Max? And he said, yeah, I do. Um, uh, I grew up in a Catholic, um, uh, 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 went to Catholic school, and uh, I just go to church now and then uh, occasions, but that's not really my faith. My faith is LSD. So I said, uh, help me understand that. How does that work? And he explained to me how that works. Um, I learned a lot that day. I wouldn't recommend it to you, but um, it, was, uh, it was an interesting moment. Now, um, as we were having this conversation, I started to share a bit about my story. And he just started cutting my hair slower and slower and slower. I must have sat in that chair for nearly an hour. Now, I know I've got lots of curly hair, but it doesn't take an hour to cut my hair. And halfway through the conversation, Max suddenly stops. And, and I can't describe what happened, but something supernatural just happened at that moment. He says, can you smell that? I said, no, what, what, what do you smell? He says, it's like, it's like somebody's lit a fragrance candle in the shop. I said, wow. So I was just checking out, you're not on that LSD thing at the moment, are you? <laughs> no, no, that was not the case. Um, I said, have you ever had that before? No, never had that before. So I said, well, um, I believe that God speaks to us in many different ways. And one of the ways he speaks is by supernatural occasions. I believe God is saying something in this moment. Now, as I came away from that, I was just wondering, Jesus, what are you doing? Now, a few days later, we were going through the city in Nijmegen. We did a prayer walk, had loads of people from the Netherlands come together. And uh, we, we, we kept our ears open to hear what God wanted to do at that moment in time, and particularly for Nijmegen. And uh, we, uh, we went through the whole city, and then we came back together in the park, and uh, we had lunch together, and we shared the words that we felt God putting on our hearts. And one of the ladies had come back, and she said, I walked past the fragrance shop, and on the fragrance shop window was a line. And it says, many things are forgotten, but not the memory of smell. And that just hit home with me. I think I know a thing or two about that. Um, and um, uh, uh, after that, um, I, I, I had a, a moment uh, just to kind of pray through that. And I felt God laying a, a scripture on my heart. If you've got your Bible with you, um, maybe you can turn to 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. Now, you may have heard these phrases before, or it's maybe the first time you hear it. But there is something about fragrance in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. It says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are 
the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the others, a fragrance from life to life. Now, I started pondering about this Bible verse, the fragrance of Christ. There is something about fragrance and memory. They're linked together. Um, a little while ago, my sister-in-law bought Simona the fragrance that she wore on her wedding day. She'd remembered uh, she was the master of ceremony on that day, and she bought it to her as a gift many years later. And uh, Simona didn't tell me anything. She put it on, and then she came to me and said, what do you smell? It's a trick question. If you get this one wrong, you've done it. But I remembered instantly. That is the fragrance you wore on our wedding day. And uh, I passed the test. But there is something about fragrance that brings memories. I don't know about you. You may, you may walk into a room and all of a sudden you've got a memory because of a smell that suddenly comes. Well, the Bible tells us that we are supposed to be the smell in the world that reminds people of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? We are the fragrance of Christ in the earth. When people encounter you, they're supposed to be smelling something of Jesus on you. Now, I think what Jesus is um, uh, describing here is quite miraculous. When you look at the verse, it says that you are the aroma of Christ. Now, when I think about that, I kind of try to wonder, how does that work? Maybe you think, well, well, if I'm supposed to be a pleasant smell to other people that reminds them of Jesus, maybe I have to try really, really hard. I, I, I need to do some really, really good things to make people remind them of Jesus. But that's not how it works. It doesn't say, if you try really hard, you are the fragrance of Christ. It says, you are the aroma of Christ. You see, Jesus brought a sacrifice for us that was like a pleasing aroma to God when he died on the cross. And he has gifted that to you and to me as a gift. You don't have to try to be the aroma of Christ. If you accept Jesus, you receive the aroma of Christ, and then you become the aroma of Christ. Now, this is something that is amazing. But I wondered why, when I was at the hairdressers, Max encountered the aroma of Christ in our conversation, and yet when he had gone to a school that taught about the Bible, and he had visited churches at occasions, he had missed Christ. When I asked him, do you have something with a Christian faith? Max said to me, I'm not a Christian, and I never will be. I mean, that were really devastating words when I heard them. In my heart, I thought, right, game on. Well, let's see what Jesus is going to do here. But for somebody to say, I never will be, who has been around churches, means that he has missed something of the aroma of Christ. Why are half of the churches in the Netherlands empty? Why do only one in 20 people go to a church that preach the Bible? It's because there is something missing. There is something missing in our day. The aroma of Christ is missing. It's missing in our cities. It's missing in our schools and our universities. And also, devastatingly, it's missing in some of our churches. Now, if we are the aroma of Christ, how come the aroma of Christ is missing? Well, it's because there is something that needs to be broken for the aroma of Christ to be released. When you look 
in Scripture, you can see that the theme of fragrance and sacrifice go together. You can see it right from the early days when Noah uh, brought a sacrifice after God had flooded the earth. Um, it said it, 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 it went up to heaven and it was like a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And then we can see later on the tabernacle and the temple. They were to lit daily um, fragrant sacrifices, a blend of five spices together. That was like a pleasing aroma that went up to God. The theme of sacrifice and fragrance go together because sacrifice releases fragrance. Now, one of the most beautiful stories in the New Testament about sacrifice and fragrance being released, we can find in Mark. If you got your Bible, go to Mark 14. If you've got a digital device, just zip there. Mark 14, verse 3. It says, And while he was at Bethany, that's Jesus, in the house of Simon the leper, As he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it out over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me, for you always have the poor with you, and wherever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she should. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Now, the memory of Mary lives on. It's come and found you here today. And the sacrifice that she made remembers us of the sacrifice that Jesus made. And there are a couple of things from this story that I think are telling. First of all, Mary walked in the room with an alabaster jar. The fragrance that she had was there. It was in a jar. But no one could smell it because it was locked up. Now, back in the day, you didn't go to buy some perfume in a nice little glass bottle, put a little puff on, and then kind of put it back in the cupboard. In order for the fragrance to be released, she had to break the jar. Now, this is about half a liter of perfume. When she broke the jar, it spilled out, and it says it it, it filled the whole house with the fragrance. Now, she poured half a liter of perfume on Jesus, I don't know whether you've ever sat in the bus next to someone who kind of overdone it a little bit on the aftershave. Uh, Imagine half a liter of perfume being dumped over you. I mean, you're going to smell that for a little while, isn't it? It's it's quite a memory, quite a moment. Now, she breaks the jar and she, she spreads it. She spreads it all. But for her to do that required breaking. Something had to be broken. And the same is true for the fragrance of Christ. We have been given the fragrance of Christ, but we have been given it to us in earthly vessels, you and I. And for us to be the fragrance of Christ, there is a breaking required. Breaking releases the fragrance of Christ. Let me try and illustrate it to you. Um, we, um, we had the privilege of adopting a little girl last year. Uh, I know there's quite a few people here that are on that process or have adopted children. Uh, we were at a seminar from Home for Good, 
I know you guys uh, regularly do stuff with them, and uh, they were talking about how every, if every church in the United Kingdom had one couple that adopted or fostered a child, it would solve the country's problem. And we were really struck with that. Um, I know it's not for everyone, but for us, we really felt God speaking to us through this. Uh, we've got three beautiful daughters of our own. We thought, well, we haven't quite fully messed them up. Maybe, maybe we'd qualify. And uh, we signed up, and uh, it's a long process. You have to go through all the scrutiny. Uh, and uh, uh, at some point, the social worker came over, and, and they ask you all these questions. It's quite intrusive. Um, and uh, we were having conversations. And at some point, this guy uh, turned to us, and he said, just help me understand, why would you want to do this? You've got three beautiful children of your own. Why would you want to break your family to adopt a girl uh, or boy that, that, that likely isn't going to bring much to you other than brokenness? He said, well, that's the whole point. That's why we want to do this. We believe that God has invited you and me into his family. And we've got nothing to offer but brokenness. And we want to live out the same, just, just in a very small way. And um, uh, I, was, I was a little bit depressed coming away from that conversation, thinking, well, if even the social workers don't really believe in this, then, then, then what will happen to these people, to these children? Now, the reality is that we have invited brokenness into our home. It's not been easy, but it's been good. And it has revealed all the brokenness inside of us. Uh, and God's been doing a great work on us, trying to show us how we can live out the love of the Father on us. And the reality is that however broken you are, the Father has welcomed you in. Not because you've got it together, not because you're amazing, but because He wants to bring wholeness to you. He loves you, and He invites brokenness in. And He wants to make you the aroma of Christ in the earth. Not because you're perfect, not because you have it all together, but because he wants, through your brokenness, release hope to other people who live in brokenness. Now, the second thing that I think we can draw away from this is that there is um, a, a sense of financial cost. This was really costly perfume. It said that it was worth 300 denarii. Now, um, I'm sure your New Testament finances are not quite up to scratch. I had to do a little bit of research to find out what that was. Um, uh, one denarii was like a day's work, uh, and 300 denarii is, is roughly about a year's wage. Now, if you kind of calculate that through into our time, that's about 36,000 pounds, roughly. Um, imagine a bottle of perfume for 36,000 pounds. That, that, that's a very expensive bottle of perfume, isn't it? It was so expensive because it was pure nard, and pure nard was not available in Israel. It had to be imported. Uh, it likely came from the north, uh, of India, the Himalayas, and it had to be imported very costly uh, in that day because they didn't have airplanes zipping over. Um, so this was very, very expensive. Now, we don't quite know how Mary got this jar, whether it was like a family heirloom or whatever. Uh, some speculate it may be her dowry, uh, something that they would bring uh, to um, uh, a wedding when uh, the bride was uh, going to, to marry to, to, to pay her dowry. Um, uh, or it could be her inheritance. We, we don't really know. The Bible doesn't say much about this. But what it does say is that it was very, very costly. Now, she made the sacrifice to Jesus, and she had to, to kind of come to a moment of make or break. It wasn't like, I'm going to give you a little bit of the perfume, a few drops. It was a bit of a, I'm going to break this jar or I'm not. 
And if I break it, that's everything. Now, I wonder um, how, how you're sitting here today. Following Jesus means giving your everything to him like he is giving your everything uh, like he has give, given his everything for you now that sounds great theoretically but when it comes to you practically that can be quite difficult let me tell you a story about how it came to us practically costs we went through a bit of a journey wanting to buy our own home now, it's a little bit difficult to start on the housing ladder, and uh, we started putting some money aside, uh, and uh, uh, it was painstakingly slow. I think we managed to save up about £2,000, um, and uh, we thought, gosh, to get to a, a, a deposit, we probably need to spend another 15 years before we get to that, and um, I think we need God to come through for us in some way, uh, or we need to give up on the whole housing idea. So we said to God, um, £2,000, you're going to have to come through for us, um, but this, this is yours. You can have it. Just let us know. Um, we give it over to you. We are willing to give it to you. All you need to do is give us a sign. Um, and um, the following day, it's a dangerous prayer to pray, by the way. The following day, I met this lady. She's about to be put out of her home. And I asked her, how much do you need? And she says, well, I need to pay upfront three months uh, rent. It's 2,000 pounds. You wouldn't believe it, would you? So I thought, well, normally I need to pray about this, but I think I, think I already know what we should do. So we gave her the 2,000 pounds. And then we started praying. Okay, God, if you're in this, you're going to have to come through for us. If not, we'll just give up on the whole idea of buying a house. Now, the same day the money left our account, we get a gift back. 6,000 pounds. I don't know about you, but that doesn't happen to me normally. And we were full of faith. God is in this. We were excited. So we started saving up. And then we got really close. I think we saved up about 8,000 pounds. And then I went to a conference. Steph Liston was speaking. He was speaking here yesterday. I still blame him until this day. Um, I, didn't, I can't remember anything he said really from that session, except for one phrase. He said, give your all. And it just hit home like a dagger. I thought, No! Not again. We've already passed this one, haven't we, God? And then uh, I phoned up Simone and I said to him, I feel that God, God wants us to do it again. I think he's asking us to give it back to him again. And she said, are you sure? I said, well, let's pray. Um, let's ask for God to confirm it. Same evening, Mike Pilavachi is doing a ministry time. And he says, there's somebody in this room here. You've spoken to your wife this afternoon on the phone. And you talked about doing something very risky. And God says, do it. <laughs> no, not again. So the following day, there was a relational mission offering. We got our 8,000 pounds and we put it in the offering. I mean, I, 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 I took a moment before I let that check drop. I thought no one here knows what's happening. Like, they all think it's eight pounds, but this is 8,000 pounds. All right, God, you better come through for me. So we dropped it in. And then we start praying. Last time, this worked out great. Three times 8,000. Uh, that's about 24,000, isn't it? Well, I mean, surely God's going to top it. He never does things twice. So who knows? Well, a car bill. That's what happened next. No provision. 
And I, I remember getting a little resentful with God. That you said this was going to work. It's not working. And then God spoke to me. He said, why are you giving me your everything? Is it because you're expecting a return? Or is it because you trust me with your everything? Now, when God speaks to you like that, it's a little painful, isn't it? You kind of go, oh, no. I think I gave this because I was expecting something back, not because I was trusting God with my everything. And then we had a gift day at Life Church, and uh, it was a bit of a painful moment. Normally, I'm quite excited about gift days, but w- we didn't have much to give. And um, so um, I said, God, there's a gift day coming up. Last time, uh, you know what happened? We don't really have lots to give this time. And God says, well, you've trusted me with your savings, but will you trust me with your everything? And then he spoke to me. He said, I want you to go to the bank, and I want you to take up 150 notes of five. And this is going to be the very first gift day at church where you're going to be giving away money to the people attending. Right. Okay. So Simone went to the bank, um, picked up 150 notes of five. Well, she was supposed to, but then she rang me and says, there's not even enough money in our bank account to take up 150 notes of five. I said, well, just take whatever you can, whatever they'll give you, and, uh, and, uh, and we'll go with that. So uh, the lady behind the counter looked slightly bemused as she was counting out these notes of five, um, and uh, she came home, and um, uh, I thought, well, I've really heard God on this. Um, so uh, we turned over every pot and wallet in the house, and lo and behold, we had exactly uh, 150 notes of five. So we sat our girls down at the table breakfast that morning, and uh, we said, um, God said to us to trust him without everything. And they looked at us and they said, why would you want to do that? And we looked at each other and thought, yeah, why? (laughs) But we knew God had spoken. And we said, we're going to start with you. Here's five pounds for you. Here's five pounds for you. And here's five pounds for you. We felt God saying, I want you to go and give five pounds to everyone who's attending. Well, that solved it for our girls. Didn't matter about the rest of the money. They had their five pounds. And then we went around and, and, and God said, I want you to speak about giving your all. How God gave his all. Not his bit of savings, not a bit of his leftovers, his very son. We looked at that this morning, wasn't it? And, um, and I said, this is going to be the first gift day. You're going to receive some money. Here's a five-pound note for each of you. We've got about 150 adults or so normally on a Sunday. And uh, we gave everyone a, f- a five-pound note. And we said, you can do with it whatever you like. The one thing you're not allowed to do is put it back in the offering. We want you to take it away and remember how God gave us all. And it just, it just released something in the church about generosity. And um, we, uh, we gave it all away. Uh, still had some five-pound notes left, so we went to all the kids' groups and all the youth groups to hand out. And then we had people coming, running, whether they were part of the church or not, I don't remember. But they said, oh, we hear you're giving away money. Can we have some? So, yeah, it's fine. We're not taking any of it back. And, and, then, and then we came home, and then we started praying. There were quite a few weeks left in the month, and we had no money. Monday's our shopping day, so we started praying. We said to the girls, we can't go shopping tomorrow un- unless God does something. And um, the following day, I get a phone call. There's a guy who doesn't even come to our church. I've spoken to one of his family members and said, I heard your story. And, and I assume that you need somebody to pay for your shopping this week. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to take you to the shop. And I want you to go do some shopping. I'll pay for it. So I went to the shop with my youngest daughter. And uh, we loaded up our cart 
He's saying, can I have this? Can I have this? But yeah, the man says he's going to pay for all of it. So we did creative Jenga stacking with our shopping cart and kind of wheeled it through. And this guy paid for all of it. It was amazing. And we came home, and I remember my youngest daughter carrying these bags. She came home, and she said to Simona, Look at what Jesus has bought for us! It was a fantastic moment of Jesus' provision for us. We will never forget it. And something in us changed from trusting God because we wanted something to trusting God with our everything, knowing that he's a good father. Now, beautifully, God provided, and we were able to buy a house in the end, and uh, uh, not quite in the way that we anticipated or expected, but he provided for us. And uh, we lived, we prayed for it for four years. Now we've lived in it for two years. And now we're going to have to give it back. It was quite a moment. We sold our house last week. It was quite a moment. A bit emotional to let it go again. I said, thank you, Jesus. But here you go. You will have it back. The very thing that we wanted so much. You'll have it back. And then we start doing the financial costs of moving to the Netherlands. We're going to pay for the fees to sell our house. We have to draw out of our mortgage early, so we're going to pay fees for that. Uh, we're going to pay for a removal com company to come and help move our stuff. We're going to pay for setup costs in the Netherlands. We have to pay for legal costs to buy a house in the Netherlands. And that is a lot more expensive than it is uh, here in the UK. And uh, uh, we, we, we totaled it all up. And then we had a little gasp when we looked at the outcome. £36,000 is going to cost to move. Just to move. And... Um, Luckily, our house has improved a little bit in value, but we don't even have that money. And it was, again, a moment. God saying, okay, are you willing to trust me with your everything? And when you grow in trust, it becomes easier to trust Jesus with your everything. Why? Because he has given his everything to us. Now, we don't like breaking but Mary that day broke the bank for Jesus. She trusted Jesus with her everything. Her dowry could have meant a future with her husband. Inheritance maybe meant buying her own home or setting up her own little business or whatever. What does it mean for you and I to break the bank for Jesus? What would it be for you that you would struggle to give up, to trust Jesus with? What would it be when you hold it? You're going to be struggling to give it to Jesus. It may be different for all of us. We don't like things being broken. That's what I spent half my day doing at home with the girls. I run after them to make sure they don't break stuff. That's why we've got Ikea crockery. You can easily replace it. We don't naturally like breaking things. We worked hard. Maybe you're sitting here and you kind of feel a bit convicted and you think, but I've worked hard for this. My life is good. I don't want it to be broken. Well, the reality is that Mary didn't break something out of a response because of a sermon or because of a fundraiser. Mary broke the bank because she had glimpsed something of what Jesus was about to do. That's what Jesus said. It says in uh, verse 8, it says, what she did was beautiful. 
She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. You see, the true sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice was about to be made. Jesus didn't just give a year's salary. He gave his life, a divine life for you and me to pay for all the sins of the earth. Mary had caught something somehow as the only one in the room at that moment of what Jesus was about to do. He was going to give the ultimate sacrifice for you and I because he loves you, because he sees the brokenness in the world and he wants to bring you home. He made the ultimate sacrifice that went up as a pleasing aroma to God to pay for you and I so we could be welcomed into the family of God, so we could find healing in our brokenness, so the world that is broken can find something of the healing of Christ. And when you say yes to that sacrifice, you are the aroma of Christ in the earth. When you receive the sacrifice of Jesus, you are a pleasing smell to God. Could you imagine that? You are the pleasing aroma of Christ to God and then to the earth. Now, when you capture something of the immense cost that Jesus paid for you and I, it's not hard to break the bank. It's not hard to break the jar. Because when we see the sacrifice that he made, our hearts are warmed and want to respond to his love. Jesus broke his body for you and I. Now, when he was hanging on the cross, some of that perfume from Mary was still on him. It was a memory of the sacrifice she made. But the beautiful thing is that when Mary sacrificed her everything, it said that she was sat at Jesus' feet, that she was weeping, that she was drying his uh, feet with her hair. The reality was that not only Jesus smelled like the aroma. When Mary came away, she smelled like the same aroma too. There is something when we give our all to Jesus in response to what he has done for us that makes us smell like Jesus. When you give your all, when you put that trust, it's almost like your worst fears come true. I never wanted to give my all. But when I did, I found that it was such a sweet release. When you give your all to Jesus, you will start to experience something that Jesus experienced. What he gave for you and I, you start to experience. And it makes you smell like Jesus. Now, when there's people like that, that fill our churches, our workplaces, our universities, that are willing to give their all to Jesus, the aroma of Christ and the earth will spread. I don't want to hear stories like Max again, who's been around church and around Christians and has smelled nothing of the aroma of Christ. What do people smell when they're around you? Do they smell the aroma of Christ? Are you willing to invite some of the brokenness so that fragrance may be released? Are you willing to trust Jesus with your everything? I tell you, when you start giving away money like that, 
people will start to pay attention. When you start trusting Jesus with your everything, people will see it. It's going to be a little bit more than Jesus, my Lord and Savior phrase. When they see you giving your everything, that speaks volumes. Perhaps the reason why not many people have encountered the aroma of Christ is because they haven't encountered Christians who have been willing to put actions to their words like Jesus did. And you and I have an opportunity to do that, to do that differently. I want to see churches filled with the aroma of Christ where people are willing to give their all for Jesus so other people will encounter Jesus too. That's my prayer for the Netherlands. That's my prayer for Europe. That's my prayer for the UK. And that's my prayer for Ipswich. Now, guys, you have got something beautiful going on here. Look around you. You have got something beautiful going on here. But Jesus is going to bring you into a season of learning how to break the bank again. I know that many of you have broken the bank to get here. This building has been a testimony of many people breaking the bank for Jesus. But I tell you, that's not going to be a temporary journey for you to end on. I think that's going to be part of your DNA going forward. As I was praying for you guys yesterday, I saw a picture of a big lighthouse with scaffolding around it. I think this building is like that lighthouse. God has made you a visible sign to the city and to the nation, and God's going to use that. It's beautiful, but it's not the only thing. From there on, I saw ships going out from this place. Ships traveling up north along the uh, coast and then going south along the coast and then going across the waters. God's been building something significantly here in order for it to now be released and spread. God's done a work here for many years, but that work is changing. God wants you to break the bank again and go and send some of your best. Not just to Ipswich, but all over the world and all over the UK. And you're going to play a significant part in that. Now, naturally, as a church leader, I know what that feels like. That's painful. You work so hard to get here. You don't want to go and break the bank again and give some of your best away. Because that means you can't do things that you're doing here. Well, it's not going to be like that. I believe that your church is going to be like the little jar of the widow that um, provided for Elijah. As you start pouring... It will continue to pour. There's some sort of conflict sometimes. You think, well, if we give these people away, then we may not have enough. Jesus is saying, when you give these people away, I'm going to give you some other people. And I believe that as you start pouring, as you start giving your best and your future, God will come through and he will provide new bests and new future for here. And many of you in this room here will go. To different places. I grew up in the Netherlands. God's called me back. Many of you sitting here have grown up in other nations. And I believe there will be a time where God's going to call you back. Some of you, you're going to be called to other places. And God's going to spread the fragrance of Christ through you. In order to do that, you need to be willing to break the bank. You need to be willing to break the jar. Because God is going to release his aroma through you, but it's going to come with sacrifice. And for some of you, you're in this season. You know God's placed a calling on you, but you're not sure whether you're willing to pay that cost. Well, today Jesus wants you to know that he is going to help you to pay that cost. Not because he's asking for it, but because he's modeled it to you. 
He has given his everything to you. And there will be a new season in which there will be a new release through you. Now, I think that's going to come with a moment of decision. And uh, that's where I want to land. We're going to do something active to make that work. Is that okay? Some of you have been sitting here and think, oh, my days, I wish I'd missed this morning. This is too painful. Uh, maybe God's just speaking to you. We're going to take a moment to respond, to mark the moment. So if you feel this wrestle inside your heart and you want to give your all to Jesus again, then I want to just give you a moment to respond and I just ask you to stand up. Don't stand up unless you mean it. Don't stand up because the person next to you is doing it. This is between you and God. If you want to mark the moment and say, Jesus, I want to give my everything again, then I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. You can stand up now. Think about what you're about to do. Don't make the commitment lightly. If you feel you want to make that moment, then make that stand. Go for it. For some of you, you're feeling a wrestle in your heart right at this moment. Your bum wants to get up out of the seat, but your heart is telling not to. This is between you and God. It's okay. Take a moment. When you're ready, go for it. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Hold open your hands. Jesus, we are about to give our everything to you in response. And I want you to picture in your hands the one thing that you would struggle to let go. Just imagine it. Just hold it in your hands. For some it will be finances. For some of it will be a relationship. I want you to hand it over to Jesus. Picture Jesus standing in front of you and give him your everything. Jesus, we want to give our everything in response to you, in response to your sacrifice. Here you go. Amen. Now, when you go home this week, I want you to do one thing, one practical thing to follow up on what you've just did. I don't know what that looks like for you, but you'll know between you and Jesus. Take one step, one practical step to follow through on that. Now we're going to finish off with a bit of a bang. Are you ready for this? Because um, I think there's some release needed, um, a bit of a spiritual release in our cities, in our churches, and in our nation when it comes to um, making resources release. Are you ready for this? Yeah? I brought a friend. <laughs> this poor piggy is going to become the sacrifice today. Now, don't go around and tell your friends about this. You'll get all sorts of weird things going on Twitter about pig sacrifices in church and all sorts of things. Um, but um, we're going to take a moment to release finances for the kingdom. Yeah? And... Uh, for you as a church, that means being generous. Give your best. For you individually, 
This means give you all. Some of you, you've been there before. You've done that. But now you've kind of come back to the comfortable again. And God wants you to know it's, it's, it's not a one-off thing. It's ongoing. It's living sold out for Jesus. So you ready for this? Yeah? If you're sitting on the front row, you may want to shield yourself for a moment. Um, I don't know whose guitar equipment this is. I'm really sorry if this goes wrong. Um, my insurance will cover it. You ready? Why don't you count down? Three, two, one. Right. Why don't we stand up together and respond to Jesus? Jesus, we give you our everything. We love you. We want you. We need you. And come and meet with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.